This evening, I want to uh, talk to you, speak to you, our practical teaching. The title is simply, What is a Servant? What is a Servant? I want to talk to you about servanthood and, and what is a servant. But before I go to my first point, I want to uh, begin by just sharing with you, I had something had something very interesting happen, happen during the beginning of my summer. You know, I teach at Summit, and when the students graduate, we go into what is called a summer break, and I had a very interested beginning to mine. I was out on a prayer walk, and on my prayer walk, I heard the Lord speak to my heart and say, Tim, in three days, you're going to receive a phone call that's going to absolutely change your life. And immediately I dismissed it because there's so many things I thought God said and then I found out he didn't say. So I just, <laughs> I'm just one who sticks to the word, okay? But I couldn't shake it. In three days you're going to receive a phone call that's going to change your life. And so uh, by the time the evening came, I was sort of like, oh, okay, a phone call, going to change my life, three days. Okay, I wonder what it could be. And I started thinking about things. I started thinking about dreams I have in my life that... Uh, I feel like God gave me, but I haven't seen them fulfilled yet. And I thought about doors the Lord, I believe in my heart, said he was going to open one day for me. And I was thinking about, well, maybe this is the time this dream is going to come to pass. And maybe this is the time this door is going to open. And I kind of got excited about it. Well, three days went by. And on the third day, I, I did receive a phone call. And I answered the phone. And it was a lady on the other end. And she said, Pastor Tim, I, I'm in a dilemma. I need someone to take my father-in-law to his dialysis and bring him home from dialysis three days a week. He's afraid to take the bus. And he's, a, he's, a, he's an old man and he's a feeble man. And, and I just need somebody that could help me drive him three times a week to dialysis and back. And uh, I felt the Lord say, Tim, this is the phone call that's going to change your life. <laughs> So I agreed. I said, okay, I'll give the next three months of my summer, three days out of the week, driving them back and forth to dialysis. And she was right. He was an old man and everything that goes with, you know, it wasn't just driving them back and forth. There was a lot of other unpleasant things. I, <laughs> there's a lot of things I had to do. And uh, I was on a prayer walk with the Lord. And uh, you know, I'm just being very honest with you tonight. I was on a prayer walk from the Lord and I said, God, is this my phone call that's going to change my life? And I thought by now, I thought that surely this dream was going to happen. Are you about to open this door? And, and this is the uh, phone call that you said would change my life. And on my prayer walk, here's what the Lord said. He said, Tim, you driving this man to dialysis three times a week is accomplishing more in your heart than if you was out preaching the gospel all over the world. But the Lord spoke to me. He said, it's accomplishing something more deeper in your heart than if you was out preaching the gospel all over the world. And the Lord said, I want you to trust me. What I'm doing is I'm deepening within you a servant's heart. And that is everything. Amen. And that's what I want to talk to you about tonight. I want to talk to you about what is a servant. So with this in mind, I want to look at point one, my first slide. And it's simply this. Every Christian has a calling. Matthew 5, 16 says, 
Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. And beloved, we are all called to be a light. We are all called to bring glory and honor to God. We are all called to make a deep impact upon our generation for Christ. And right now, I'm going to say something that's probably going to surprise many of you. We are all called to full-time ministry. All of us are called to full-time ministry. But, but Pastor Tim, I'm not called to be a pastor. I'm not called to be a missionary. I'm not called to be a worship leader. I'm not called to be a full-time Bible teacher. That's not what I'm called to do. But I want you to know, if, if you work a regular nine-to-five job, you are in full-time ministry. You will not find more broken lives. You will not find more broken relationships. You will not find more broken marriages than in an everyday workplace. I'm telling you, you are right in the middle of full-time ministry. You are in full-time ministry just as much as a pastor, just as much as a missionary, just as much as a worship leader. You are in full-time ministry because you are right in the middle of hell's playground. You are in that place. You won't find more broken lives and broken homes and addictions and being in an everyday workplace. And I'm telling you, you are in a very strategic place to make an impact upon people's lives. Understand, we are called to impact lives wherever God plants us. You know, Psalm 34 verse 8 says, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. You know, one time I was in an apple orchard, a small little apple orchard, and I was looking for apples on the tree. But it was not in a season for apples, and I found no apples on the tree, so I was walking away from the orchard. And God spoke to my heart, and he said, Tim, how does a world that knows nothing about God how does a world that doesn't understand anything about God, how does that world taste and see that I am good? And I said, I don't know, Lord, please enlighten me. And he brought this scripture to my mind and he says, they, they taste and see that I am good when they taste the fruit that is in your life. That's how they taste a world that knows nothing about God. When they can taste my fruit in your life, something will rise up in their heart and say God is good. You know, when people who've never known kindness all their life, they've, all they've ever known is abuse, when suddenly they taste the kindness of God in your life, something's going to rise up in their heart and say God is good. Beloved, we're all called to impact lives. We're all called to bear fruit and produce fruit for the kingdom of God. And this may sound funny, but the Lord also spoke to my heart and he said, Tim, I want my people to be walking fruit trees. I want them to be walking fruit trees. So no matter where I plant them, no matter where I send them, people can take a bite of their fruit and say, God is good. Amen. God, we're all called to bear fruit in our life that's going to produce fruit through our life. But here's what I want us to understand. And this is slide two. Whatever your calling, whatever your title, whatever your position, whatever your ministry is, there is only one thing that gives it its value and that is the servant's heart. Whatever you're called to do, whatever title, whatever position you have, there's only one thing that gives that title, that position, any value, and that is a servant's heart. You know, Jesus said very plainly, when we get to heaven, we're not going to hear God say, well done, thou good and faithful pastor. He's not going to say, well done, thou good and faithful missionary. He's not going to say, well done, thou good and faithful Sunday school teacher or worship leader. He's going to say one thing, well done, thou good and faithful servant. 
that whatever position, whatever title we have, it's the servant's heart that gives that position or title any value. Whatever your calling is, God is looking for one thing, and that is a servant's heart. If you are a pastor, God's looking for one thing, a servant's heart. If you are a missionary, God's looking for one thing, a servant's heart. It's a servant's heart that gives any kind of value to whatever position or calling that you have from the Lord. Amen. So point two. Well, what is a servant's heart? The scripture that came to my mind was Galatians chapter 5 verse 13. It says, by love, serve one another. You know, it took me a long time walking with the Lord to finally realize what a servant's heart is. To truly understand what is really the spirit of servanthood. You see, a servant is somebody who simply walks in a genuine, intimate relationship with God. And out of that intimate relationship with God, they begin to see people like God sees people. They begin to value people like God values people. And in seeing people and valuing people like God values people, something just comes into the heart and says, Lord, I want to spend my life serving others. God, I want to spend my life helping others. You know, Lord, I I see people like you see people. And in my heart, I'm really beginning to understand that people are precious. People are priceless. And there's just something in my heart that wants to be used by God to serve other people, to help other people. You know, that is what a servant's heart is all about. It's just seeing people like God sees people. Slide four. It's not the work that you do that makes you a servant. It's the heart behind the work that makes you a servant. And let me just give you an example. Have you ever been to a restaurant and your waiter or your waitress just had a really stinky attitude? Ever had that happen to you? You go to a restaurant and your waiter or waitress, they just have this really bad attitude. And and finally, you start saying in your heart, you start saying, gee whiz, your attitude stinks. Your attitude is so bad. Your attitude has absolutely made my dining experience unpleasant. You know, they were doing the work, but they had a bad attitude doing the work. And listen, you can be in what's called full-time ministry and doing the work, but that doesn't mean you're a servant. Amen. You can be doing the work. That doesn't make you a servant. What makes you a servant is when when we truly see people like God sees people. And we love people like God loves people. And we, we value them and, 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 and esteem them as priceless and precious. You know, in the eyes of the Lord, that is what makes a servant a servant. It's not the work that you do. It's the heart that you do it with that makes a servant a servant. Amen. Our next slide. When serving others centers around loving people, that is what gives power to your servanthood. You know, I'm reminded of what an author wrote one time. This author wrote these words. Love is the highest form of spiritual warfare. When I became aware of the fact that I had an enemy, I was interested in learning how to defeat him. Teachings on spiritual warfare were very popular, and I attended many sessions. I learned many interesting Bible principles, but in time I finally realized that I had developed many methods and done a lot of shouting at the devil in prayer. But the real power was missing. 
About that time, the Holy Spirit began to teach me about love. I began to get a revelation that no matter how many methods I learned in spiritual warfare, they were empty exercises unless the real power of God, the power of love, was flowing through them. Love is the highest form of spiritual warfare. And you know, I, I do say amen to that. I do know love is the highest form of spiritual warfare. And one thing I tell my students often, I tell them, you know what? It's good to, to, to learn um, Learn about spiritual warfare, and it's good to attend classes about spiritual warfare. But if you really want to be a powerful warrior in the spirit, put away the books and the CDs, get on your knees, and ask God to teach you to love. Amen. Get on your knees and ask God to teach you to love. Amen. You know, I can't help but think about 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 1. It says, Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I have become a sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. Everyone say clanging. Clanging. You know, if I don't have love, I'm a sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. In other words, here's what Paul is saying. He's saying you can have the gifts of the Spirit, but if they are not genuinely motivated by love... You are not anointed. You are annoying. That's what he's saying. Amen. You know, have you ever been around somebody who, you know, speaking, trying to speak in tongues or interpret a message or give a message in interpretation, but they were so annoying. If you had that experience, I have had that experience. And I know in my heart, I'm just going to be vulnerable. I know in my heart, there's times I rose up in my heart and said, would you just please zip it? (laughs) Gee whiz, would you just please zip it? I feel like I'm at a football game behind the guy with the clanging cymbals. Clang, 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 clang. You want to know why they were annoying? It's because they were trying to be spiritual. But the real power behind the gift wasn't there. It was the power of love. Amen. And I I just want to get back to my point. You know, a genuine servant is someone who is learning to see and value people like God sees and values people. And in the spirit of love, they've given themselves to serve others. That's what a servant is. Now, point three. Often possessing a true servant's heart requires... A journey. And that's what I found in my walk with the Lord. You know, coming to that place where you you possess a a real servant's heart. You know, God has to take us on a journey sometimes and really work that servant's heart within our life. And to me, Joseph is a great example. I want to look at Joseph for a moment. Go with me to Genesis chapter 37. Genesis chapter 37. We know in Genesis 37, God begins to reveal to Joseph that I have a very high calling on your life, a place of great authority in the earth, and to awaken this realization in Joseph's heart and spirit, God does it by giving him dreams. And we're in Genesis chapter 37, look with me at verse 5. Now Joseph had a dream... And he told it to his brothers, and they hated him even more. So he said to them, please hear this dream which I have dreamed. There we were binding sheaves in the field, 
Then behold, my sheaf rose up and also stood upright. I want everybody to say my sheaf. My sheaf. It says, my sheaf arose and also stood upright. And indeed, your sheep stood all around about and bowed down and bowed down to my sheep. Everybody say, my sheep. My sheep. Now look with me at verse 9. Then he dreamed still another dream and told it to his brothers and said, look, I've dreamed another dream. And this time the sun and the moon and the 11 stars bowed down to me. Say, everybody, everybody say, bow down to me. Amen. Do you know... Do you know what Joseph's problem was? Here's, here's his problem. He saw God's dream for his life, but he wasn't seeing God's dream with God's heart. That's the problem. He's seeing God's dream for his life, but he's not seeing God's dream with the heart of God. You know, all Joseph can see is his brothers bowing down to him. You bowed down to me. My sheep stood upright and you bowed down to me. In other words, what you see is his immaturity. That, that's really what it is. Because of his immaturity, because of his naiveness, he couldn't see the dream with God's heart. And so God had to begin to take him on a journey. And in this journey, what God was going to do is he's saying, Joseph, you know my dream for your life, but I'm going to take you on a journey where you start seeing the dream more and more with my eyes. You start seeing the dream more and more with my heart. You see, the dream's not about, about your brothers bowing down to you. Your dream is about one day you bowing before your brothers and washing their feet. That's what the dream is about. You know, that, Joseph, that's what the dream is about. And uh, so there are just times that we have God's dream for our life, but God says, you have my dream for your life, but you don't have the heart behind it. So I'm going to take you on a journey, and you're going to see this dream more and more with my heart. See, what Joseph couldn't see in his dream is uh, he saw the sheaves bowing down to him, but he couldn't see that these were redeemed sheaves. These were saved sheaves. These were sheaves that were rescued by the mercy of God from an awful famine that would spread over the earth. He couldn't see that these sheaves were sheaves that were wrapped and saved by the grace of God. He couldn't see that in his dream because of his immaturity. All he could see was, one day you're going to bow down to me. So the point I'm simply making is, you know, you may have a dream from the Lord, but God's going to have to take you on a journey with that dream. Because one thing I found is he doesn't take away your dream, but he will take out the my in your dream. My dream. He's going to remove the my from your dream. No, it, it's, it's not your dream. It's his dream of what he wants to do through your life to save people and rescue people. You know, so he doesn't take away the dream, but sometimes you got to go on a journey where he takes away the my out of your dream. And it just becomes about loving people and what God wants to do through people. And there's a lot that we could talk about in Joseph's journey. But here's what I want you to see. Look with me at Genesis chapter 39. Genesis chapter 39. Look with me at verse 1. It says, now Joseph had been taken down to Egypt. The journey has began. And Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, captain of the guard, an Egyptian, bought him from the Ishmaelites. Now go with me to verse 4. So, so Joseph found favor in his sight and 
served him. Joseph found favor in his sight and served him. Look with me at chapter 40. Joseph is now in prison. We know the story of Potiphar's wife. I want to look at verse 4. It says, And the captain of the guard charged Joseph with the other prisoners, and Joseph served them. Joseph served them. Here's what I want you to see. It was in that place of slavery, and it was in that place of prison where something happened in Joseph's heart. And here's what happened. His focus began to shift. In other words... He became a man who truly learned how to serve others. And this is what I see that happened in Joseph's story. Joseph came to a place where he understood God had a dream for his life. But he came to a place in Egypt where he just took his dream and trusted it back into the hands of God and just focused on serving people. Very powerful. He came to a place where he just took his dream Gave it back to the Lord, said, it's, Lord, it's your dream, in your time, in your way, you're going to fulfill it. But I'm taking my, my focus, I'm not going to be consumed by the dream. I'm taking my focus off the dream, and I'm just going to put it on people and start serving people. Whether it's in the prison, I'll serve people. If it's in the palace, I'll serve people. He truly learned what it is to have a servant's heart. And and here's the big question I want to ask you. What good is it to have a dream if you don't have a servant's heart? What good is is it to have a dream if you truly don't possess a servant's heart? You know, it's the servant's heart that God's going to use to bring, bring the fulfillment of your dream. Because it's all about loving people and serving people the way that God chooses. You know, only when we truly possess a servant's heart... Can he fulfill his dream for our life? So you may have a dream on your life. Something God wants to do incredible. Something God wants to do. But before he fulfills that dream, he's going to say, let's take a journey now. Because you have to start seeing the dream the way I see the dream. And the only way your heart can see the dream the way I see the dream is it's got to be a servant's heart. Only when you have a servant's heart can you begin to see the dream like I see the dream for your life. And it's out of that power, that that privilege and power of servanthood that the dream is going to reach its fullest potential. Amen. So what good is it to have a dream if you don't have a servant's heart? So I guess we need to start praying not for the dream but for a servant's heart. God, you'll fulfill the dream in your time. You'll fulfill the dream in your way. But God, now take me on a journey. Help me to see people like you see people. Help me to value them. Help me to love them like you see them. And when you think I'm ready, then you'll bring the dream to pass. Amen. Amen. So let me give you the practical application. This is point four. Practical application. I have three things. So in possessing a servant's heart, first slide, slide seven, begin praying. You know, the older I get in my walk with God, the simpler my walk with God becomes. Because the longer I walk with God, I understand it's really all about loving God and loving people. That's it. That's what, that's what it's all about. It's really about loving God and loving people. And there's a scripture that I have been praying a lot. You know, there's a story in Mark chapter 8 
You know, we have that story where Jesus touches the blind man's eyes and he asks him, what do you see? And the man is partially blind now and he says, I see men like trees walking. Then Jesus touches his eyes again and this man begins to see people more clearly. And frequently I have found myself praying, oh God, would you touch my eyes again? God, would you just help me a little more clearly see people like you see people? Would you help me to, to value people or like you value people? Oh God, would you just touch my heart again? And beloved, I'm saying begin to pray that God would touch the eyes of your heart and help you to see people like he sees people. Help you to value people like he, sees, like he values people because that is the spirit of servanthood. Amen. And can I just add, do you know when I pray the most, oh God, touch the eyes of my heart again and help me to see people like you see people. You know when I pray that the most? Well, it's, it's right there in the story. Do you remember in the story, the man is blind. Do you remember what Jesus does? Jesus spits in his eye. Do you remember that? The Bible says that Jesus spit in his eye. Can I, can I tell you something? If somebody spit in my eye... I would find that offensive. I would, you know, if, 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 you know, I had spit rubbed in my eyes, you know, it can represent something that's offensive. And do you know when I pray the most, oh God, would you touch my eyes and help me see people like you see just a little bit more? You know when I pray that the most? When God's put somebody offensive in my life. When God puts somebody in my life whose attitudes offend me. When God puts somebody in my life whose arrogance offends me. I mean, I ain't got but two choices. I don't know about you, but I still have a flesh I have to deal with, you know? I can either knock them out or I can pray. God, help me to see past the arrogance. Help me see past the attitude. Help me to see them like you see them. Help me to see them precious. Help me to see them as priceless. Amen. So what do we need to do? We need to begin to pray. I, I want to ask you something. Have you got anybody in your life who just has a way of offending you? You got a landlord who just has a way of offending you? You got a boss that just has a way of offending you? So arrogant in attitudes. Well, you got a choice you can make. You can either make, you know, knock them out and lose your job. Or you can begin to pray. God, this is a precious life. This is a precious man. God, would you just help? Would you just touch my eyes again? And, and would you just help me to see him, see her a little more like Jesus? Lord, would you give me a heart that can penetrate through the attitudes and the arrogance and, and see a soul that's priceless and precious? God, would you do that? So how do we acquire a servant's heart? Well, first of all, we can begin to pray. Lord, would you just help me to see people like you see people? Slide eight. We can begin serving. Begin serving. You know, going back to Joseph, some of you may have a dream. Some of you may have a dream. Some of you may have a dream that God has given you. Some of you may have a dream that one day you're going to be a pastor. 
God may have given you a dream that one day you're going to be a missionary. One day you're going to be a worship leader. But can I just tell you something? You're not there yet. You're not a pastor yet. You're not a missionary yet. You're not a worship leader yet. You're not. But you know what you can do? We can start serving where we're at. We can start serving where we are at. Amen. So commit yourself to serving others. You know, how can you serve your pastors? How can you serve your church? How can you serve your family? How can you serve the people you work with? Just start serving. Amen. Amen. And slide nine, begin observing. In other words, if you're looking for people to serve, you don't have to look very far. If you're looking for people that you can help, you don't have to look very far. You know, I remember hearing Pastor Nat. He was a, a wonderful teacher in our Bible school. Not with us anymore, but he was a wonderful teacher in our Bible school. And students would often ask, ask him, you know, I feel like I'm called to be a missionary, and that's why I came to Summit. And how do I break into missions? How do I become a missionary? And Pastor Nat used to, you know, skirt around the question, divert from the question, start talking about something else. And then when he was in the middle of talking to something else, he would just casually ask them, do you have a roommate? Yeah, yeah, I have a roommate. Well, does your roommate have brothers and sisters? Well, I don't know. Well, does your roommate have things going on at home? You know, problems you need to pray about? Oh, I, I don't know. Well, does your roommate need prayer for anything? I don't know. So you're telling me you want to sell across the world to help people you've never met before, and you don't even know what's going on in the life of your roommate from the guy who sleeps in the bed next to you. And, and this is what he would tell him. You need to understand ministry is the people around you wherever you are at. Start seeing the people where you are at. Amen. You know, that's ministry. You know, the Lord taught me some, something one time. We always talk about what is the will of God and God, what's your will for my life? And God taught me something. The, the question is not what is the will of God. The question is who is the will of God? Who is the will of God? Every day I surround your life with people. People that you can love. People that you can connect with. People that you can pour into. You know, I, I surround your life with people. And I'm telling you, if you will start just focusing on the people... You won't miss any door that I'm setting before you. It's, the question isn't, what is the will of God? Quit focusing on the what. What are you calling me to do? Where are you calling me to? Quit focusing on that. Because the will of God is people. I died for people. I want to save people. I want to disciple people. I want to heal people. I want to restore people. If you'll take your mind off of the what, and open your eyes and begin to focus on the who. I will direct you in everything I have for your life. Amen. And I've learned that. I've learned wherever God plants me. The question isn't so much what is God's will. God's will is the people. Who 
what's the will of God? Who's the will of God for me today? The will of God is here. The will of God is here. The will of God is here. I don't have to go around asking what is the will of God. The will of God is you. Amen. Amen. And I just love you and share from the word. You know, God's not going to let me miss any door, any leading, any direction he has for my life. Amen. So start observing. You know, you don't have to look very far to, to find people who need help, who could use serving. Amen. And that is a servant. Very practical teaching, very short teaching, but that is what I have for us tonight. Amen. A servant's heart. Just capture that. Let me say it one more time and I'll be done. A servant is simply someone. It's not the work that you do that makes you a servant. It's the heart you do it with. A servant is simply someone who walks in a relationship with God. And out of that relationship, they begin to see people like God sees people. And value people like God values people. And just out of a heart of love, they serve. They help. That is a servant. Amen. Amen. Stand with me tonight. I want to give an altar call, and the altar call is simply, Lord, I want a servant's heart. I, I want to see people like you see people. I want to value people like you value people. God, people are the only thing in this whole world that has eternal value. Everything else is just going to pass. Everything else is so temporal. But people have an eternal value because you created people to live with you for all eternity and walk with you in a father-son, father-daughter relationship. And God, I just want to have your heart. Lord, I want to see people like you see people. I want to love them. I want to value them. But God, it's going to take a work. It's going to take a work of the Spirit of God. It's something that you have to do. It's an impossible work. It's something that the, the strength of the flesh cannot attain to. But God, thank you for the beauty of the new covenant. The new covenant isn't about anything I can do in my strength. It's about everything you're going to do in my life in response to faith. That's what it's about. And so, Father, I'm just asking you, would you give me a servant's heart? Help me to love people like you love people. Amen. So as the worship team begins to play, would you come down and just join me in the altar? If something I, I said just touched your heart tonight, just come and join me in the altar. And we're just going to pray that the Lord would just help us Help us, help us to love people, to have a heart to serve people. Not because I just want to be in ministry and do work, but because I really have a heart for people. Amen. And you that just came to the altar, I want to pray for you. I just want to pray for you. Lord, I pray for my brothers and sisters, Lord, my precious 
precious brothers and sisters, God, who come to the altar tonight because they just want to have your heart for people. Lord, they want to see people like you see people, value people like you value people. God, you're the one who created people. You created them, Lord, to be your sons and your daughters. And the tragedy is that so many are lost and they're not in that relationship with you, God. But Lord, we desire that you would use our lives, Lord. You would use the fruit in our lives to to point to Christ, to glorify Christ, to magnify Christ, to bring others to Christ. So Lord, that the desire of your heart would be filled, God. And so Lord, I'm asking, my heart joins my brothers and sisters in this altar, God, and would you just help us, God? Would you work in our life, God? Would you help us to love people like you love people and to see people like you see people? to value people like you value people, God. Lord, would you help us to, could you bring us to that place where we're able to see past the attitudes and the arrogance and all those things that can offend our pride, Lord, would you just bring us to a place, God, where we can see through all that and God, we can see the preciousness, how precious people are to you, God, how priceless people are to you, God. And Lord, would you fill our life with fruit, God, that we might be those walking fruit trees, that people can taste of your fruit in our life and say, God is good. God is good. How do you know he's good? I tasted his mercy. I tasted his kindness. I tasted his joy. I tasted his peace in the lives of his people. And there's just something in my heart that knows God is good. And God, when they taste your fruit, Lord, they're going to desire the source of that fruit. God, when they taste love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, and temperance from our life, then they're going to desire the God of our life because it's by the grace of God we are what we are. God, it's by the grace of God that we have any fruit in our life. God, it's your grace that began the work. It's your grace that's going to finish the work. And God, our only boast is in the grace of God. Lord, touch every heart in this altar. God, it's you that put that desire. That desire did not come out of our own heart. If we desire to see people and value people, God, you put it there. And God, our confidence is if you put it there, you are more than able to perform that work within our lives. And I thank you, God. And we give you glory and we give you honor and we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.